welcome to the Booktopia podcast. I'm here with Gabby Stroud to talk about her new book, Dear Parents. Thanks for joining us, Gabby. Thanks for having me. Um, this is such an interesting book. It's got um, a lot of different things going on that I, I don't even really know where to start. I've got a lot of notes, but <laughs> I, I wanted to start a, a, with, you know, what, how this book came about, you know, um, and what you think it is. <laughs> Well, this book has interesting origins, uh, but after the um, publication of my book, Teacher, it became apparent that uh, there was a big conversation that needed to happen around education and that conversation very quickly ignited. And we realised that one of the voices that needs to be included in this conversation is actually the voice of parents. And getting parents to think about where their voice can be placed in education and what sort of things they need to be talking about. So, you know, my perspective is coming uh, from a teacher, teacher's perspective. So this book uh, is almost like an invitation for parents to begin a dialogue about education and to start thinking about what they believe education is and what their role is in the education of their child and the role that they play in supporting teachers who are also formally educating their child. So it's um, a series of letters written by a teacher and it's almost like this teacher has gone rogue. So she stayed up a little bit too late one night, might have had a drink, Uh, and is writing that letter that teachers send out at the beginning of the school year. And, you know, she's tired, she's exhausted, a little bit delirious, and a few little snide asides come through in that very first letter, and she accidentally hits send. So all the parents on the email list receive this email, but interestingly, they don't dob on her, they don't um, run to the principal... So we have to just suspend judgment and imagine that, you know, suspend reality and imagine that parents, you know, behaved in a, in a unique way here. And they just actually encourage that teacher to continue writing these letters. So that is what this book is all about. It's about a teacher who um, is really writing the letters that every teacher would like to write and um, telling the real truth about what it is to be a teacher and the work that teachers do. And at the same time, trying to sort of provoke and prompt parents to think about, well, what's your role in all of this? Where do you sit? And what would your response be to these letters if the teacher really did send that letter to you? That's really interesting. I I like the idea of it being a provocation. Mm. Uh, I think that's probably the clearest way way I've heard it articulated Mm. since since I first came across it. so the, the structure of the book is letters to mm-hmm. parents and you often have the the ghosts of parents responding. You don't yes. ever see the parents' actual responses. Yes. But, um, did you <laughs> how how did you make the decision to to include or not include that that information? Well, I I really uh, am I'm most comfortable writing from the teacher's perspective. So I'm also a parent. I'm a mother to two beautiful girls. But this story that I wanted to tell um, really is coming from a teacher's perspective. Um, And so that's why I made that deliberate sort of 
uh, decision to just write from the teacher's perspective and then there's the implied response of the parents. You know, there's sort of an imagined reply. So I might write a letter that, you know, tackles a pretty big issue and then the next, the following letter is me sort of trying to placate the parents and say, hang on, look, I know, I understand. That was that was a big thing that I just disclosed to you. So there's that perceived and imagined um, response from the parents. But interestingly, when I, I, I began writing the book and I thought, oh, I wonder if people will be able to suspend reality and imagine that a teacher really did this. But then it actually happened at my child's school uh, where, really? and it, yeah, all the parents received an email and it it just simply said, you know, um, dear Jeff, which is the principal's name, um, would you mind checking this letter, this email before I send it out? And there was an attached, you know, letter that was going to get sent out to the parents, very pedestrian, just something about an excursion or something like that. And it was just a little glitch that happened in the system and we all got the the, the unedited, unapproved letter. And, you know, there was nothing controversial in it or anything like that, but it just made me go, hey, this could actually really happen. This, this kind of little glitch could happen in the system. So Yeah, and I do feel like there is an appetite among parents to get honesty mm. um only as much honesty as would make them look good i think yeah. But, <laughs> but yeah i do think there is so it's it is like a fantasy wish fulfillment for teachers but mm. also for for parents i mm. think mm. to imagine that that com- lines of communication are that open yeah and i think for parents to get an understanding of what is going on in a teacher's head and why are they responding like that and why are they telling me they don't have time to talk to me about their child this this series of letters kind of gives them an insight into what a teacher's doing with their time. Yeah. Um, the other thing I think is really interesting is, you know, you, you have a um, disclaimer at the beginning saying any resemblance to actual events is coincidental, mm. which I think it's the first time I've ever seen that at the front of a nonfiction book. Mm. Mm. <laughs> so can you tell us a bit about how you decided to amalgamate your own Mm. experiences into something like this? Well, you have to be very, very careful as a teacher in the way you tell stories because you are forever the guardian of the children that you've taught and their stories that they've shared with you and their their experiences that they've had with you in the um, trusting and secure environment of the classroom. So really... A teacher is not really able to ever tell the complete whole truth of what happened or what is going on in a classroom because those stories actually belong to the children. So this uh, book is an amalgamation of um, all kinds of things that happened or very nearly happened or are just slightly to the left or the right of what really happened and they're cobbled together in... um, varied um, sequences so that they are both true and um, fiction at the same time. So it's a, it's very much that idea of the creative non-fiction where, mm. you know, some very true truths are being told through story. Absolutely. I really love that component of it. And I mm. think some of the books I've liked most in the, in the past um, several months have been like that, this sort mm. of telling of um, – non-fiction stories of truth as you say but mm. um in it told in a sort of prose way one of the other benefits is that it's really funny <laughs> and i think when you talk about education reform it doesn't you know peals of laughter don't usually follow that no that. they do not <laughs> <laughs> but your experience as a teacher 
is really funny. It is. Teaching is just, and that's one of the reasons teachers go back every day, is because something funny is going to happen every day, pretty much guaranteed, and teachers will show up for that. But also you've got to look for the humour and you've got to find it and enjoy it because it can be a really difficult, challenging, relentless job. So if you can find the humour in it, then you're going to survive and you're going to cope better with those challenging experiences. Mm. Yeah. Uh, I loved the um, the moment where the students found the bong. Yes. <laughs> it's one of my – I laughed out, out loud, seriously laughed out loud yeah. at, at that. Can you give us a little bit – did that actually happen? Yeah, that's, a, that's, a, that's almost an ancient story now because, uh, yeah, so what happened was uh, the students were out in reality what we were doing that the, the book tells it a little bit differently but we were out and we were playing um, we, we were having PE and we were playing uh, some sort of game and some children ended up in the long grass there's always some long grass at the back of the playground every school I've ever been to and some children ended up in the long grass hunting around for a ball that had been hit into the long grass and they came across a very um, amateurish bong that you know probably some teenagers might have made and had left in the long grass and one child was able to recognize that it was a bong and announced to everyone there's a bong we found a bong and another student and that just provoked so much interest and curiosity and questions and everyone's running into the long grass and I'm trying to corral them all back into order and one student was just up in arms they were stock still they had their hands in the air they were not moving they were clearly terrified and you know was shouting do not run towards it step away and it became clear on uh, asking some questions and investigating that that student thought that they had come across a bomb like a bomb that would explode. So not only did I have to deal with that crazy scenario, but then I had to sort of delicately explain to this young man that, you know, people uh, smoke marijuana through this device called a bong. So kids are learning all kinds of things at school and many of them are not on our uh, curriculum documents. They're just incidental things that come up. And as a teacher, you've got to think on your feet and navigate that and stock away those stories for a retelling in the staff room later on because <laughs> everyone gets a laugh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, I think that leads neatly into this idea that you cover in the book, um, well, I guess in some ways it is the book, this idea of teacher scope creep, mm -hmm. that the teacher's role has gotten bigger and bigger. Mm. And I think, um, you know, your previous book um, to some extent came out of your essay talking mm. about NAPLAN and testing, which is a component of this book, but it's not mm. the majority of it. The part I felt most strongly as a parent is this idea that parents expect you to parent their children. Mm. I wondered if you could expand on that a bit for us. Yes, it's it's very much the expectation of teachers now that they will step into what feels very much like a parenting role. And there are massive challenges that come with that because, you know, a parent's role is uniquely a parent's role and a teacher can't actually do that because we're not their parent. It was a funny kind of thing that happened for me when I was writing this book that that idea came to me almost like a revelation. So I was taking a break from my writing. I'd taken my own um, two daughters to the coffee shop for a coffee 
and you know we're sitting there chattering about all kinds of things and then it just hit me like a bolt of lightning what this book is actually all about and I said to Olivia I need you to write this down for me I'm going to say I'm going to say something you've got to write it down and she found a scrap of paper and she was all ready and I said to her this book is reminding parents that they need to do the work of a parent at home so that teachers can do the work of a teacher at school. And bless her cotton socks, she wrote it down absolutely perfectly. And I've still got that little receipt that she wrote it on, pinned up on my pin board beside my writing desk. And essentially that is what this book is about. And it's it's the struggle that teachers are facing right now. It is They're being asked to do things that are really a parent's role. You know, it's it's not our job to be wiping snotty noses or, you know, instilling particular values in, in children. You know, these sorts of things need to come from parents. That's their role. And I want parents to understand that it's a beautiful and special thing. You are the first and lifelong educator of your child. That's just, you don't want to give that away. You want to step into that and embrace it. It's a beautiful thing. I think there's a funny culture around young people and, and, and our children these days, you know, and I hear of people saying, oh, you know, we're having daddy-daughter time and all of this sort of thing. And that that's lovely. I, I get it. I understand. And we're all busy. But, you know, that kind of time can just be happening of an evening when you're, you know, herding them off to bed and, 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 telling them to go clean their teeth and that little moment where you go in and show them how to do it properly or how to clean the basin up after they've cleaned their teeth. These are these little beautiful parenting moments where you're teaching and bonding with your child. It doesn't have to be this thing where you go and take them to the movies and the park and, and have these events with them. It's it's much more simpler than that. Yeah, that reminds me of something my dad said to me when I was um, when I first had kids is that he said something, I can't remember the exact way he said it, but something like there's no such thing as quality time, there's just time. Yeah, absolutely. And I, think, I think that's really true and I mm. think that's something that's richly embedded in your book, mm. this idea. And yet at the same time you feel, I think, quite careful about telling parents how to parent. Absolutely, yes. Um, and yes. The, re- the reciprocal arrangement would be that parents don't tell teachers how to yes, teach. Yes, please Teachers do not warm to that. Please don't do that. Yes, I think it does need to be done delicately because everyone parents in their own way and teachers teach in their own way and we need to be respectful of that. I also think that... um, you know, it's it's always so unique. You know, people. You know, parents know that your your um, eldest child can be vastly different from your youngest child. You know, each one is is different, and and with that comes different responsibilities and different nuances and different conversations that you need to have. You know, I know with my own um, daughters, you know, one child needs prompting to do these things, and the other child just automatically does them. So you know, there's there's just so much complexity that. Goes goes into this and I think too it's because it's actually all about relationships you know with a teacher it's all about the relationships you build with your students and as a parent it's about the relationship you build with your child so you know that's unique in each scenario so you know we can't sort of have this idea where I'll, I'll tell you how to do this you know mm. it's it's unique it's different. Mm. Um, one of the things that you explore in the book is via the character of um, Reaxton. Mm. Um, and I asked you earlier while we were doing the signing how many reactants you've taught in your time. Mm. And I think he's just such a 
wonderful creation. Mm. Um, obviously, he's you've really experienced him, but at the same time, you managed to fill him with quite a lot of sympathy, yeah. even though he's awful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Can you tell us a bit about the experience so, of writing him? Reaxton is the classic troubled child. So he's a child that's experienced trauma and he brings that trauma into the classroom with him every day and he enacts that trauma in his behavior so you know he does these terrible things like hopping in cupboards and refusing to hop out and trapping flies in drink bottles and all the other kids just think it's hilarious but the the teacher is constantly on the battle to keep reactions behavior in check so that learning can can continue and look every teacher knows a reaction and we've all taught a reaction and he was such a wonderful, fun character to write because, you know, I got to sort of um, replay a lot of moments that when I lived through them, they were very traumatic. But, you know, to find the funny spin on them and to give that sort of dialogue that the teacher is actually thinking as these as these um, very difficult teaching moments are playing out. But I think one of the things that I was really trying to do with Reaxton was to convey the idea that the children we teach are not empty vessels. Children bring themselves to the classroom each day, whether they're a troubled child like Reaxton or whether they're a child who, you know, is excited because mummy's expecting a baby or whether they are, um, you know, a little bit hungry because things are a bit tough at home or whether they're just an anxious little person. They bring that into the classroom each day. And good teachers do that too. They bring themselves because it's emotional and relational work. And that's what I was trying to show with Reaxton is that, you know, he's not this empty vessel. He brings all this trauma. The teacher brings her lived experience and she has to try and apply that to to this behaviour and, and to form a relationship with him so that she can manage his behaviour. Look, he, he really was a, a delight to write and he helped me create a, a lovely narrative arc. But you know, Reaxton um, as a character has a lot of important work to do in how we um, understand what, what classrooms are like because they're not these homogenous groups of 10-year-olds and 11-year-olds. They're a cross-section of society and they're all sitting down in this one room together and the teacher is expected to bring them together and to, to take them on a journey. And I, I really hope that that's something parents grow to understand as they read this book is that teachers aren't just dealing with your very special little child. They're, they're dealing with this broad cross-section of, of our society. Yeah, that's really interesting. I think one of the things you talk about is that structure of teaching and how it sort of um, suffocates the joy out of the experience, mm. both for the students and the teachers. Yeah, yeah. Um, I wonder if you could tell us a little bit. I don't want to spoil anything. But, no, you know, no. There's so much in the book about it. Yeah, I think that, um, you know, in recent years, or I would probably say in the last 10 to 15 years, in, in Australian education we've, we've really gone to a standard model of education and everything's all standardised. And with that we lose a lot of time and space for the individual and, and the individual teacher and the individual student. And with that loss, you, you lose the joy, you lose um, that ability to just talk to the kids and say, what are we interested in learning about? And what are we going to do today? And you lose that opportunity to sort of follow the threads of interest that they personally have. Um, throughout the book, um, I, I introduce a character um, named Nanny Maud. And Nanny Maud um, is a grandparent that comes in and ends up helping out with, with art lessons. And she 
somehow manages to bring some of the joy back into the classroom because, you know, she's not confined by all these things that a teacher feels that they're confined by. So I, I think that we need to start asking questions about how we um, open up that space of learning so that teachers and students can find that joy again and find that space to um, experience school and learning as this joyous thing that you want to turn up up for each day rather than this thing you have to go and do. Mm. It ultimately is a very hopeful book in that sense, I feel, even mm. though it is, you know, it, it can be relentless and a bit tiring. You yes. Know, the experience of it. Good. Now you, you know you, how the teachers are yeah, feeling. <laughs> I feel, I felt it. I yeah. felt like that stress build up mm. throughout the arc of the, sto- of mm. the story. Um, but yeah, uh, ultimately, like I said, I think it's hopeful. It's really funny. Um, so I just wanted to thank you for writing. It's great. I hope people go and read it. Um, before we finish, though, um, I would like to keep talking, but we mm-hmm. have we have a limit. <laughs> um, what you, what's next? Um, are you going to write? Are you going to write fiction? Yeah, I, yeah. Let's say that. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Look, I am. I'm working on. Um, I'm working on some more fiction, and uh, it's set in a school. I can't seem to escape that school environment, but they're such fertile places mm. for great stories. Uh, so I'm going to. Um, follow that thread and see where it leads. And um, yeah, everyone should stay tuned because I'm sure I have many more stories to tell. Great. I can't wait. And in the meantime, you can read Dear Parents by Gabby Stroud and Buy That Booktopia. Um, Thanks so much for joining us and thanks for your time. Thank you for having me. Thanks for listening to the Booktopia podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to us on SoundCloud and iTunes. And if your eyeballs need a workout, Check us out on YouTube at Booktopia TV. And don't forget, for all books featured on this episode and all episodes of the Booktopia podcast, head to Booktopia, Australia's local bookstore, at www.booktopia.com.au. Thanks for listening.